0: And I will tell you, it did exactly what the founders of the Vietnam Wall Foundation fund meant it to do. People left things at the wall, which are now in our museum. They left notes and artifacts, Uh, and I just want to warn the VFW post, you better build another room after three or four days, because it's the people that will bring things to this wall and leave it in remembrance because they can't get to Vermont, or excuse me, can't get to Washington, D.C. So this is fabulous that it's here, especially with so many people that live right around here. There are 22 men, Norwich men's name on that wall. This wall is very important to me, very important to our generation. Now, they weren't all from Vermont because we're a national school. So they were from Florida, from California, from Michigan, and all the different services, mostly Army and Marines that are on that wall. So it's very important to me personally, and it's very important to our school that still commissions officers in service to America in all of the services. There was a vigil, just like there's gonna be one here. The wall was never left alone, never. And we read every name, just like you are reading every name. People took rubbings off that wall and saved it and took them home. This is powerful stuff that's gonna happen to our community here and they need it. Now there's two quick stories I'm going to tell you. The first one was shortly after the wall. The wall was here in October. I get a letter from a cadet who had been at the wall. He was a junior at the time. He was going to be a second lieutenant in our army. His father fought in Vietnam, and the dad would never talk to him about Vietnam. And I will confess, I never talked to my four daughters about being in the United States Coast Guard in Vietnam. We didn't do it. We didn't talk about it. He wrote me and said, Dr. Schneider, he said, I had the best conversation for three hours with my dad about his role in Vietnam because of that wall. It wouldn't have happened. It hadn't happened for the 19 years up to that point in time, but it happened because he talked about how he felt at the wall and his father opened up to him after all that time to tell him what he did in Vietnam and how it affected him. The second story is I'm going to follow up on our good governor you have changed your attitude towards the men's men and women who are fighting in uniform. When I got home, we didn't get a good reception. 1969, when our ship came back to governor's Island in New York city. So Gordon and I, general Sullivan, I'm going to introduce just a moment. He got in at 942. So we had a little time to kill. So I said, let me take you to this great diner right near the airport. You all know exactly where I'm talking about. Let me take you to this diner. They make the best breakfast. We got a couple hours to talk about homecoming and get your your head in the game. So we're sitting there and we're about ready to get the check. And the clerk, the attendant came over to us. Her name is Bridget and said, "Uh, you don't have to pay anything. I said, why? She said, the couple that was sitting next to you who left about 10 minutes ago paid your bill. Gang, that would not happen in 1969. It wasn't happening, but it happened because I happened to be in uniform. I mean, they didn't know who General Sullivan was, but it was a way for them to say thank you. That's how America has changed. It's unbelievable that we have our great friends from Macedonia. They're very interested in having a student exchange. We're going Zora and I are going to work on that later after the, the ceremony so that we have some Macedonian kids here and we send some American kids over there because they need to learn about it, open their eyes. But this wall has profound impact to all of us. And I'm I'm thrilled you're here, and I'm so honored to be up here with these incredible people um, remembering the men and women who fought next to us, some of them still missing, um, and their families who gave so much. So my real job is to introduce my chairman of the board, General Gordon R. Sullivan. General Sullivan went to Norwich as a kid, and in 1959 was commissioned a second lieutenant in our Army. Unbelievable career and he ends up as being the highest ranking army officer in America, the chief of staff of our army. He also served on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is the 32nd chief of staff of our army and he did a fabulous job for our army his entire career. And then he kept working for our army. He is the president and CEO of the Association of the United States Army to this day. He is still working full time for our army and he's my chairman of the board. Give him a big round of welcome to Vermont. (laughs)
1: Thanks a lot. Uh, Thank you. That's very kind of you. You didn't have to do that. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know what to say, you know. I went to Vietnam in 1962. I arrived there in January of 1962. uh, I'm very proud of what I did then, and I'm proud of all of you. Um, Before I get into that, let me uh, acknowledge the governor, our guests from Macedonia. I was in your country in 1993, I think, south of Skopje. We had a regiment there, battalion, really. Those were tough days for you. And uh, we appreciate your friendship and the fact that you stood by us in these wars that we've been in recently. It's nice to see you each year. Uh To the Adjutant General of the State of Vermont, the Green Mountain Boys, every time I land here, it makes me feel good. Uh, I feel like I'm coming home, I came here at 1955, I was born in 37, you can do the math. Uh, I was flying up on the plane and somebody said, well, have you been in Vermont before? And I said, yes, I have. Well, what do you see? I told her, when? She said, have there been any changes? I said, yeah, I can drive from Northfield to Montpelier and not see any cows. I mean, that was almost (laughs) impossible to do when I came here. And it doesn't smell right, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Uh, At any rate, um, so I graduated in 1959. Out of the class of 59, we lost Paul Berthium, Jack Woods, and Jack Joyce, three out of my class, one of them on Christmas Eve on a patrol he didn't have to go on. Uh, I think about them often. They were good men. They were good men and they were doing what they thought was right. It's taken a long time for this war to be recognized the way it has been. Memorial Day of 2012, the President of the United States appeared with a small group of Vietnam veterans at the wall And those veterans were invited to come with the president, as he noted, at a ceremony, the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War, the beginning of the war. That's a little fuzzy, actually, because the U.S. had been involved there in Indochina for a while, but it was decided it would be on a certain date. That ceremony was hosted by the Secretary of Defense, and the President was the keynote speaker. He, uh, he noted that at the time, uh, veterans were blamed for a war that they did not start, that we did not start the veterans. And it says the governor and others have pointed out uh, the troops were doing what the troops did. And in those days, most of us were volunteers. In the early days, we were volunteers. Uh, There was a lot of focus on the uh, misdeeds of a few when the honorable service of the many should have been praised. And when we came home, we were sometimes denigrated when, when certainly the troops should have been recognized and it was a national shame, and as the governor pointed out so clearly, I think the American people learned, and thankfully, uh, the veterans of our most recent wars, many of whom are in this room today, by the way. By the way, anybody who's uh, served in these recent wars, how about standing up and let's see you? The president said on that day, and I'm gonna quote it, and so a central part of this 50th anniversary will be to tell your story as it should have been told all along. It's another chance to set the record straight. That's one more way that we can keep perfecting our union, setting the record straight, and it starts today because history will honor your service and your names will join a story of service that stretches back two centuries. Since 1636, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, when the militia was recognized by the government as legitimate, men and women of the United States of America have stood up and said, look at us, Look at us, we are willing to fight and die to protect our people and a way of life. And that tradition continues to today because of a handful of people who are willing to do it. And if you go to the cemetery at Antietam antietam as you might remember was one of the bloodiest days during the american civil war one of the bloodiest days in the history of the united states when the union won a fight bailey on antietam creek in that cemetery there's a huge monument granite monument to the american soldier and by soldier i mean soldier, sailor, airman, marine, and Coast Guard. All of us. And across the base it says, not for themselves, but for their country. It's as simple and elegant as that. What you did, those of you who went to Vietnam, and those of you who have been in our current wars, was not for yourselves, but for your country and the people who surround us here today. May God bless each and every one of you who remember names like Hamburger Hill, Da Nang, Rakja, Saigon, Tonsonu, Binhwa, rolls right off your tongue. You can smell it. It's in the air. The Pope said when he was here, you can't be a shepherd unless you smell the sheep. Yeah, you can't be a soldier or a Marine unless you can smell places like that. God bless all of you. Thanks.